We're just two girls living on the Upper West Side, taking everything in stride. We're the Jewesses, Jewesses, Blonde Edition, yeah! Hello everyone, welcome to Jewess, the Blonde Edition, episode number 57, season three, my name is Jen. I am still in chilly, chilly Vermont where it just snowed yesterday. And we also have Shelly and I'm in LA and today is Earth Day. <gasps> Happy Earth Day. Happy Earth Day. Shelly, we have a super special episode today. I know. I'm so excited. We have a really, really exciting guest for everyone. Um, I can't wait for Shelly, I'm gonna have you introduce her. She is well known to the Jewish community and to many of my friends. So I will let you kick it off. Great, so today we are so excited to welcome Devorah Kegel. As a professional dating coach, Devorah Kegel has helped more than 160 women get clarity in their dating life and marry their beshert. And for those of our listeners that don't know that word, it means soulmate. Soulmate. <laughs> she has also been teaching classes for women on Judaism for close to 20 years. She has her master's degree in French, the language of love, and lived in Paris for two years before discovering Torah Judaism and becoming observant. She and her husband, Reuven, who is the campus director for Emmett Outreach, host Shabbat guests every week pre-COVID. Using humor and honesty, Devorah shares the entertaining personal journey that led her to develop powerful tools to have the relationships you desire. For more information, and we'll plug this later, but it's her website is devorahkegel.com, D-E-V-O-R-A-H-K-I-G-E-L.com. So we're so excited to have you with us. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's very exciting. It's my first podcast, I think. Oh my gosh, Devorah, I didn't know this was your first podcast. I think so. It's a new medium for me. Oh, this is exciting. Oh, Hopefully first the first podcast. of many. I hope so. Oh my goodness. This is so exciting. Devorah, wow. I have to say, I've been so excited to get you on the podcast because I actually took um, I took a class of, of Devorah's this past summer when we were all in quarantine and had nothing to do. And, you know, why not focus on dating and relationships? And Devorah, your class that I took, I think it was originally a four-part series, and then it went to a six-part series. And I loved those classes. And we talked about so many interesting things um, that I just thought that this would be a perfect topic to talk about with all of our listeners because we talk about relationships and dating, especially with the Jewish twist. And for anyone else out there, we always have some interesting material. So Devorah, thank you so much again for joining us. Thanks so much. All right, let's get into it. Let's get into it. So Devorah, I'm going to ask the first question here. We're going to tag team. What are the top three issues, trends, or roadblocks you found in working with clients? So I would say that there's people on both sides of the spectrum. So I have a lot of women who tend to prematurely end a relationship before they really gave it a chance for a number of reasons. Either they felt like they didn't feel it click and they are expecting that, or they felt like there's no way that the attraction is going to be enough, 
or I'm nervous that I'm leading him on. So I'm just going to end it, even though I don't have clarity yet. So there are people on that side. And then there are people on the other side of the spectrum, which kind of schlep out the relationship way too long when really they knew already this was not the person for them. Either they're taking on a project, which we love to do (laughs) as women. No, I will fix him. Um, Or we're like waiting too long to discuss like values and things that are important to us. So like months into the relationship or even years into the relationship, we're discovering that, oh my gosh, we're not compatible. I wish I had known that earlier. Why did I waste so much time? Um, I would say, so those are two, like on either side of the spectrum. And the third mistake that I see a lot of women doing is not demanding enough respect Hmm. from men. I just finished a class on Zoom um, for JICNY about dating. And one of the things we were talking about is that you know, guys will sort of behave as good or as bad as we allow. And one of my really my main passions in my dating coaching is to give women the strength to really stand up for proper behavior, to really not allow things that should not be allowed and really, you know, demanding a certain level of basic respect and common decency from the guys that they're dating. Oh my gosh, Devorah, I agree with all of that. And I know which camp I fall into in terms of the, the traps. I won't say which one. <laughs> Maybe I will. I'm the one I'm the one that takes forever to actually come to that decision. And I've wasted everybody's time and my own time, which is more important than than you realize. So yes, <laughs> that's a great one. Um, totally Shelly, <laughs> yeah, let's I'll... kick it off to you. <laughs> all really important points. And you mentioned more about, about taking on a project. So just to elaborate a little bit more about that, how do you help women recognize red flags when you're working with them? And we're talking about red flags, for example, the guy that they're dating. Right. So first of all, I really, really recommend having a dating mentor. It doesn't have to be me, um, but someone in your life, maybe it's a married friend, maybe it's an older sister or cousin or aunt, maybe it's a Rebitson that you're close to or a teacher. Um, the qualifications in my mind for a successful dating mentor is someone who themselves are happily married, as best as you can tell, for at least five to 10 years. Um, the issue with that is because if a person is newly married, they don't really yet know what qualities are the most important in marriage. And, you know, like one of the the last class in my five-part series, I entitle the top 10 things I wish I knew about marriage before getting married. And you could ask yourself, like, why am I including a marriage class in a dating series? But the truth of the matter is, if I have improper expectations for marriage and I'm not I'm not sure like what qualities are the most important in a spouse. So then I'm going to date in a way that I'm not going to prioritize the right qualities. So I feel like it's really important to have a mentor who's objective. You know, we're for ourselves, we're never totally objective. So it's nice to have someone that you can bounce ideas off of. My clients find that it's a much more relaxing way to date when they have someone in their corner. I'm like, I'm taking in all the data, you know, it's all coming into the machine and I'm like able to kind of hear things that sometimes they're not really absorbing. Like they'll tell, I had a girl recently in a very offhand way, like she wasn't even going to tell me she didn't think it was important. And she told me he said this and this. And I was like, what? You know, so for, for her, she wasn't really absorbing that this was a red flag, but I'm, I'm just listening, you know, and I'm not being all swayed by how charming he is on the date. Cause I'm not on the date. Right? So I'm just <laughs> like listening to the information and evaluating. And I'm much more able to see that perhaps than, than the girl herself 
who's a little bit swayed, you know, by, by various things. Makes sense. Wow. Um, I love that. And the, and the other thing I just wanted to add to that, Devorah, in terms of my experience is that I think you're, you're probably, <laughs> it's probably a very good idea to find someone that you will um, confide in, but also listen to. I have friends where, you know, it goes both ways, where we will tell each other things about the date or complain about something, but really not be receptive to the advice or feedback that we're getting. And it can be so frustrating because you hear red flag after red flag and you're saying, oh, oh, that's kind of a red flag and they kind of don't want to absorb it. So I think you're right that you do need to find someone that you are willing to listen to and confide in so that you can actually make a good decision for yourself. Absolutely. And the other thing I would add to that is that, you know, the the person that you're dating is trying to impress you. Let's just be honest. So you want to sort of gather information that's seeping out the side, if you know what I mean. Like, how does he react when he's cut off in traffic? Does he start cursing and like getting all angry? Like, what does he do when the waitress brings the wrong food? You know, how do you hear him speaking on the phone to his mother? Like, we want to like gather a lot of little bits of information. You have to almost be a little bit of a detective to pick up on all of these little things that in, in and of themselves might not be a big deal. But when we put the whole picture together, actually, I made this analogy up myself, but remember when we were little and we did color by number pictures, Mm -hmm. right? So all the threes are red and all the fives are blue, right? So you start off and the picture is just an outline and you don't even know exactly what it is. And then you start filling in the colors and all of a sudden you're like, oh, it's a farm, right? (laughs) So when we're dating, it's a little bit like that. We have this basic outline of like, you know, sort of a basic fact sheet of who this person is, like your friend told you, oh, this great guy, he's this and this and this, he has this job, whatever it is. And now the process of dating is basically filling in the color by number to see, is this a picture of someone that really could be compatible for me? And that takes time. I I love that. The next question that we wanted to ask you are, what are the biggest mistakes that you've seen women and men make in dating? And I know you mentioned a few of them, but just wanted to highlight a couple of them as well. So the truth is I don't coach guys um, for many reasons. Probably I would just yell at them actually, but um, (laughs) I I do, I coach guys who are dating my client. So if they're open to it and the girl is open to it, I have, that's an an exception that I make. And that's actually very helpful because then I can see sort of both sides of the relationship. So I have done that, but I don't take on male clients for various reasons. So I'll just speak about women. Um, I think one of the biggest mistakes that women make, and I, you know, I didn't grow up as a religious person. So I dated in the secular world for many, many years before I started dating more in the observant world. And so I really get it. Um, My dating life was basically a train wreck, which is why I became a dating coach. Um, You know, you can (laughs) learn from all of my mistakes and not how to, you know, not do them. Um, So one of the biggest mistakes I think women make is introducing the physical too early on in the relationship. So um, I talk a lot in my class about oxytocin, which is the bonding hormone. So touch is a very, very powerful tool of persuasion. It makes you feel closer to someone. And oxytocin is, is a hormone that's released into our bloodstream, into a woman's bloodstream, 
on two different occasions. One, when you're nursing your baby. So this little mush that basically screams his head off and wakes you up every hour and a half on the hour, you know, all through the night and you're obsessed. You're like, oh my gosh, I love him so much, right? So that's <laughs> oxytocin, which is the bonding hormone ensuring that you're gonna bond with your baby and take care of him. So it's also released into your bloodstream when you're physical with a guy and, you know, hugging releases oxytocin, but on down the line, the more physical, the more oxytocin. So now I'm bonded with this, guy that may or may not be worth bonding to. And I'm not able to be objective anymore. I'm not able to pick up those red flags that you were just talking about because I'm now completely drugged up. By the way, there's also dopamine and there's some other stuff in there. I'm literally drugged up on all of these bonding and feel good hormones. So I no longer can lead with my brain. So I tell women all the time, like just put off the physical as long as you can to give yourself this window of opportunity to really be objective dating with your head and really being able to evaluate and pick up red flags. Cause none of us want to make a mistake, you know? Oh, absolutely. That's, that's some great advice. Yeah. That, that's a really great, great piece of information. And another, another thing that Jen was telling me about, so I wanted to ask you about it. Uh, the, there's a phrase, endless dating pool and a sea of choices. So I was wondering what that phrase means and how does it seem to affect the way that people are dating now? So this is particularly the case in New York City, of course, because there's such a quantity of Jewish singles. And one thing that can happen is that this happens a little bit more with men than women, but we fall into it as well, where we're sort of looking for the next best thing. And we're, we're kind of looking for this perfect picture. There's always going to be someone better. Like there will always be someone better in, in any particular area. What we want to be looking for is someone who's perfect for me. So the difficulty that I sometimes see in my clients is that, you know, when you've been dating a little while, you kind of make this composite picture in your mind of like all the positive traits that you ever dated. And then you you're looking for them all in one person. <laughs> so that sounds that, great that, to me, Devor. I right. don't know what's wrong with that. <laughs> right. So that that man doesn't walk planet Earth. You know oh. what I'm saying? So we, we have to. Uh, I know we're going to talk about this a little later, but we we have yeah. to kind of narrow down what are the most important things to us and look for that. We're not looking for perfection. We're looking for perfect for me. Wow. I I have to say in our in our last episode, Devora, we we talked about. Um, I'm relocating to the Philadelphia area and I was down there for a week looking at apartments and you could spend your life forever looking for the perfect apartment. Like I like the view in this one, the kitchen is great in this one. Oh, the price is good in that, you know, and you could just spend forever and you're, you're just going to be homeless because you just never made a decision. And exactly. by not making a decision, you're making a decision to not move forward with your life. Correct. So, There's actually a psychological term for this, um, you know, which is that when a person has too many choices, they end up not making a choice, which is a choice, right? Yeah. So I, I really advise people to be very, very focused on what's most important for them uniquely and then look for that. Mm, so good. Um Moving on from that, you know, when, when a woman is dating someone and it's, you know, maybe something isn't going well, when do you, when do you advise women to perhaps call it quits? Okay, great. So first of all, there are things that I term off the chart behavior. So off the chart would be addictions, infidelity, any kind of abuse, right? Disrespect. These types of things cannot be put up with ever. So that's anything off the chart. Of course, if you see that, 
in my opinion, the relationship should be over. Additionally, if the guy is not moving things forward, I guess this applies to girls as well, but it, we tend to see it more in the male gender that, you know, if he's not continuing to ask you out regularly a couple times a week and move things forward and talk in a more serious fashion about things that are important to him, if he's ghosting you or not replying to your, you know, messages, or he's like taking it to text instead of, you know, in person, these are all signs that he's not so serious either about marriage or about you. And it's just probably time to cut your losses. Um, additionally, if you see that someone is not a growth oriented person, I always tell women that the two, if I could delineate the two most important things everyone should be looking for is a lev tov in Hebrew, which means a good heart and growth oriented. So if he has a lev tov, he's, he's a good person. He wants to make you happy. He wants to do right by you. He wants to be better. And if he's growth oriented, he wants to learn how. <laughs> you need the second part yeah. because if he's just a good person, but he's not willing to kind of humble himself to a mentor, and that could be a therapist, it could be a rabbi, it could be a married uncle, someone who could give him relationship advice. If he thinks he's got it all under control, what do I need to talk to anyone? I, I got this, right? So then you have a problem on your hands. Additionally, if you're dating and you notice something that's bothering you, and you bring it up in a nice way, right? Like nice constructive criticism, how he reacts to that is very revealing. So I want to share a story with you. This, this woman, my client, like I get happy just thinking about her. She was in her mid forties and never married. And I have quite a few people in that category. And um, she called me after her third date with her now husband, and she was ready to end it. Why? He interrupted her a lot and talked about himself and didn't necessarily ask her questions about herself. I know, shocking, right? So, um, <laughs> so I said to her, you know, and this is a very important point. We want to distinguish between bad character versus bad habits. Sometimes they can look very similar. So I said to her, the only way to know which it is, is to bring it up, to go out on another date. You have nothing to lose because you're ready to end it. Go out on a fourth date and bring it up. My tagline is feminine, but assertive, right? So with a smile on your face, I'm sure you weren't aware of this, but um, you were kind of interrupting me a lot. And it's hard to get to know someone if only one person's talking, <laughs> right? So we're, I gave her like a little script, nice script to kind of bring up her concerns. And I said, if he has bad character, how's he going to react? Oh my gosh, you're nagging me on the fourth date already. Da, 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 da. Lots of attitude and defensiveness. Run. If he has good character and it's just a bad habit that no one ever called him on, right? That he was interrupting. How's he going to respond? oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, of course I want to get to know you. That's what we're here to do. Please remind me if I ever interrupt you again. And that's literally exactly what he said. And I told her, just like when your mom used to tell you to stop biting your nails as a 12-year-old, as a it's not like the next day you stopped biting your nails. Obviously you needed a few reminders, et cetera. I said, you're probably going to have to remind him throughout the dating process a little bit. But he was so responsive to to changing himself. And thank God they're happily married. And it gives me so much pleasure to think about them because really she almost missed out on her, you know, on her soulmate for something that could have been an indication of something really bad, but ended up being something that just was a bad habit he had gotten into. I love that. It's a great story. And also I think really gets them speaking honestly about maybe he has feedback from for her about something and then they can grow together and, and make each other the best version of themselves. Exactly. Speaking of just qualities that, that really matter or 
um, are significant. Can you describe your top five non-negotiable list? Yes. So I call this the deal breaker list. So I, it's actually five on each side. So there, some people like to do 10 negative, you know, they just think more negatively, but you could do five positive and five negative. doesn't matter to me, but approximately eight to 10 items on your list. What are these items? They are character traits or personality traits that for you are not negotiable. You can't compromise on them. So this means everything outside of my list, I have to be willing to compromise on. So I have to think very carefully what I'm going to put on my list. On the negative side, I call it an airborne peanut allergy, right? <laughs> I, I, I can't even be in the same room as a person who has this quality, right? So an example for me is like, again, a lot of this is based on your family of upbringing and your dating history, but I can't be, if a man raises his voice, I get very like viscerally, I have a reaction, I get very ner nervous. Mm -hmm. So I can't be around. So I married someone who's like one of the most even tempered people because I was looking for someone who had that temperament. So it's an airborne peanut allergy in that it's something that I literally can't be around. And what's interesting about the analogy is that a person doesn't know they're allergic to peanuts until they've had an exposure. Oh. Oh, that's so true. So if I said to you guys, Shelly, Jen, like, are you guys looking for someone with a really short temper? Who's looking for someone with really short temper? Okay, so no, no one's going to say, yeah, yeah, me, me, right? However, not everyone puts that on their list because typically it's someone who's had personal experience with that trait and they know I'm allergic to this. On the positive side, it's something that's non-negotiable positive. Like it's so important to me. It's so crucial for my happiness. Like for instance, I really wanted someone who could make me laugh. Like I just feel like life is tough and I, I really wanted someone who's just going to make me laugh. And like, thank God it's, it's actually a bit amusing. My, my husband always jokes, like she's still laughing at all my jokes 23 years later. Like, <laughs> You know, but thank God, I really do find him funny. And it's it's added a lot of like lightness to our life. So you want to think carefully about your family of upbringing, your parents, what you liked, what you didn't like, then go through your dating history and think like, oh, why did I break up with that guy that I dated for a year and a half? Oh, it was because of this trait that goes on your list. So obviously we don't want to have an endless list of a hundred items because that person doesn't walk planet earth. We want to really keep it you know, more narrow, eight to 10 things that for you, you cannot compromise on. And then you're going to keep laser focused on this list while you're dating to make sure that you're dating someone who is really compatible for you. Devorah, I have to say that you talked a lot about this in your class that I attended this past summer. And after talking about that, every single friend that I, sp that I would speak to and they were talking about dating, I kept thinking about this this deal breaker list and I was like, well, you know, you mentioned this about this guy. Is this something you're okay with? <laughs> Great. <they> <laughs> I'm so happy you're spreading the wisdom. That's awesome. I, I know because, you know, it's just, you know, it's like these patterns where we fall into these things where we accept certain things, we allow certain things, just like you were talking about how, you know, we need to command respect, um, you know, and really make sure that we are being heard and you know some of my single friends when they're talking to me about their dating they'll say something that's a huge red flag or they'll say something that's blatantly like yeah he's really just not the personality that I'm looking for but they'll continue to date him right. and so I just keep thinking about your deal breaker list um, and I just I hope they all listen to this podcast <laughs> me too um, moving on that, this is actually a really interesting one. This has also come up 
um, with a lot of friends that I've talked to. Um, if a woman really isn't attracted to a guy, should she feel obligated to go out with him? And we ask this because um, now, Devorah, you are a dating coach. You are not a matchmaker or a shadchan in the in the Jewish world. Correct. And there's a big difference between that. And a lot of us um, single girls and single guys have been exposed to various matchmakers that have our best interests at heart. However, they don't always know exactly what we're looking for. And sometimes they'll be a little bit persistent in saying, you really need to go out with this guy. You need to go out with this guy. And they might not realize that they're just not our cup of tea, you know? So that that's why we bring up this question in the sense, do you, if you really feel like you're not attracted to him, do you really need to go out with him? Great. Okay. Good question. So I distinguish between, I wish I had video on right now, but I, I do like the emojis, you know, I draw emojis and um, <laughs> I, I distinguish between ew, like I'm repulsed. There's something about him that's like, creepy, like just turns me off versus on the other side, yay, like a big smiley face, like, oh my gosh, he's so cute. And in the middle is Mr. Parv. Now for your listeners who are not familiar with the kosher laws. So there's milk, there's dairy, right? There's meat and there's Parv. So Parv is in the middle. It's neutral. It's neither milk nor meat, right? So I say Mr. Parv because you're kind of like, eh, not sure. Right. It's like, I'm not thrilled with how, how he's presenting, but like, I'm certainly not turned off. He's like an, he's like an, a perfectly normal looking person. Right. But I'm feeling a little bit part of, so I would never push one of my clients to give a second date to someone who's ew. Like if it's just, you're turned off, there's something about him that totally turns you off either in personality or in looks, right? It could be personality. It could be something like he said that was totally offensive or he was like way too reserved and you need someone with a bigger personality, like something that's really like not for you. I would never push someone to give it, you know, a second date. However, I think a lot of us, especially if we watched a lot of Disney movies and Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan movies, right? We sort of have this expectation. I know I had this myself of like, it's just going to click right away. Right. And, and I'm going to feel like I'm just going to know like right. first date or second date. I'm just going to know this is my soulmate. And that is really a dangerous um, thing to think because I have I, I have to do the statistics on my clients, but many, many, many happily married clients that are married to guys that started off Mr. Parv. So including the story that I just gave you. So I would encourage you, if you are dating a Mr. Parv, like you went out on one, <laughs> two dates, maybe three dates, four dates, and you already notice, wow, like he really does have my deal breakers. Like based on what I heard about him and based on what I see on the dates, I see that he has the most important things to me. We're on the same page. We have the same goals and values. We're looking in the same direction. He's growth oriented, right? These are all the ingredients for a successful marriage. You know, in the dating process, you see that everything's on paper really good, but it's, it's par of in terms of the kind of chemistry of it. Mm -hmm. I always encourage women to give it a chance. I can't give you an exact number, but I definitely have women who are happily married to guys that the attraction didn't really click into place till date five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. I have one girl who dated a guy for a month and a half and it wasn't clicking in. And I tweaked the dating a little. I had them go out a little more frequently. I try to get women to think, you know, when did you feel more drawn to him? 
what was going on at that moment in the date. So sometimes they'll tell me, oh, we were having the most amazing deep conversation. And I felt like so drawn to him and I thought he was so cute. So I was like, great, do more of that. Yeah. Right. Or one, what, you know, or one girl said, oh, I saw we played like pool and he, I just saw him in like a more casual, fun way. And he looked so cute. So I was like, great, do more casual dates. So whatever it is, it could be tweaked. But ultimately, we want to be very careful not to end something with Mr. Parov if everything else is there on paper, I would never, obviously at some point, it's going to go one way or the other, right? Mm -hmm. If you date Mr. Parv long enough, and I can't give you an exact number, um, but it's going to go to yay or ooh eventually. Like if you date Mr. Parv long enough, you're eventually get, going to get to a point where you're like, I just can't go out anymore. It's not, it's not for me. Right. So, or you or know, even if you're excite, not excited about seeing them. Correct. And that's a very big point that you're bringing up. I always ask, you know, are you excited for the date? Do you miss him if you haven't seen him for a week? If he goes on a week and a half business trip and you're like, you know what? I barely noticed. That's not a good sign. <laughs> All good points. So during the pandemic, so many things have changed for so many people. But one thing that was certainly affected was dating. One trend that Jen and I sometimes have discussed is that it seems that actually singles have been getting married during COVID uh, and the pandemic, post-pandemic time. Do you... Do you think that this has been happening? Have you been seeing this? And for those that have gotten married, perhaps even quickly during the pandemic, do you think these relationships will last? So it's interesting. Statistically, I've had more clients get engaged and get married over the course of the last year during Corona than proportionally the entire eight years I've been coaching. Wow. Wow. So my explanation <laughs> for that is I think that people finally had the time to kind of step off the rat race and prioritize their personal life. Married people had spent more time with their husbands for good or for bad. <laughs> and, um, and dating people spent more time like actually prioritizing their dating life. So I think that is, that's probably the reason, you know, there may be also a reason of like realizing what's important in life, you know, like when we were all home and like working from home, quote unquote, and like, you couldn't go out, you couldn't do anything, couldn't do any entertainment. And all of a sudden, like, oh my gosh, I'm alone. Like, I don't want to be alone. I want to, I want to find my person. So I think that that largely is why things were happening, you know, more than the rest of the years that I've been coaching. Um, and I do have high hopes for, you know, for those marriages. Um, a lot of people ask me like in your, you know, so yeah, you've helped 160 women to get married, but how many got divorced? You know, what about that statistic? Hmm. So, so far I only have one. And uh, I did not work very closely with her. You know, I, I worked with her sort of through her dating life, but the person that she ended up marrying, we did not talk about. So um, I think that's pretty good statistics. So I hope that all of these people that I've helped to get to the next stage of life during Corona will, will stay solid. But, you know, marriage is a lot of work, even when you marry the right person. That's just something to know. Yeah, that that's that's great advice. And thank you for your insight on that. I think there's been a lot of people talking about the uh, the change and the dating and how quickly people are, you know, getting married in together. And a lot of people have had that question, will it last? So I I I am hopeful that it will, um, especially, you know, talking with you, Devorah, and seeing that maybe people are just prioritizing their their personal lives a little bit more. Yeah, I hope so. 
Um, the next question that I have regarding soulmates, um, what we term in Hebrew, basheret, um, what's your theory on that? And is your, do you have a theory on there being more than one soulmate or basheret for a person? So from what I've learned in the sources, it seems to indicate that there is more than one person that we could be happily married to. Um, you know, I've learned different things that based on how much you yourself grow um, that will determine kind of who you're going to match with, that type of thing. But I think that regardless of what where the truth lies, I think that it puts way too much pressure on people to think there's only one person out there for me and what if I miss him, right? <laughs> yeah. Or what if I miss her? You know, what if I, I didn't pay attention, right? So I don't think that's true. I think that, you know, God wants us to get married and he, he tries to set us up for success. Um, and I think if we're focused on the right things, again, the deal breakers, respect, common goals and values, you know, all those types of things. Um, I think that we can have a very successful marriage. You know, do I feel, look, from the Jewish sources, it does seem to indicate that there is a highest level of bashert, which is like your two halves of the same soul, a male and a female half of one soul. And certainly that is, that's a beautiful idea, but I don't know that practically that's something to think about for someone single. I don't think that necessarily helps. I think it puts a lot of pressure on us. Well, I, you know, I have to, I have to agree with you and um, Shelly, I'll let you weigh in on this, but you also talked about this in your classes past summer. And I have to say, I felt a little relieved after hearing that because you've heard, we've heard for so long in our entire lives, how there's one person for you. And you're always just paranoid, you know, maybe I went to the wrong coffee shop that day. Exactly. <laughs> and maybe I won't meet them, or maybe I decided to, you know, go to the grocery store before I went on some errand and then I missed him. And then it's just this kind of you're just you're just in this endless cycle of did I make the wrong decision? Am I going to meet him or her? You know, so it's just um, I I'm relieved to hear that, Doris. Thank you. Yeah, for you know, it's interesting as as Jewish people, um, the sources teach that we are beyond what's called mazal which is kind of like the stars, right? The horoscope, you know, like the sort of destiny, uh, you know, that most people talk about, like it was in the stars. Jewish people are actually above the Zodiac. There's actually a book called Above the Zodiac, which you should check out. It's excellent. It's a very small book. Um, so we are actually above that. What do I mean by that? When we work on ourselves and change ourselves for the better, we can actually choose our destiny. We are, our destiny changes based on how much we improve ourselves and work on our inner traits. So that dovetails very nicely with what I was saying, because if I work on myself, I'm going to merit, so to speak, a different pashert based on who I am today. So I, de I definitely think that it's too scary to think, oh, there's only one person on the whole planet Earth that I could be married to. And like, what if I miss him? Right. It, it's not it's not productive, you know. Definitely a lot, a lot to think about. Really, really interesting points. I know you talked um, about some some deal breakers, non-negotiables. Are there any other dating do's and don'ts that people should just keep in their back pocket to, to know on dates that are especially helpful? Just kind of quick tips to have in mind. So I think that um, number one, we really want to distinguish between wants and needs. You know, we all have a laundry list of things. You know, I, I'm fluent in French. I lived in France for two years. I sometimes I think in French and I can't even translate into English. I was really praying to God, you know, I'd really like, you know, a tan Sephardi guy who speaks French. Okay. That, <laughs> like that, that's the, that's the note that I sent upstairs. Okay. So I got a Russian guy who's completely not tan. <laughs> <laughs> now he is clearly my Bashar, you know, but um, 
speaking French was a preference. It was not a need. Um, you know, now, unfortunately, we have no secret language from the kids because we have three languages between us, but we only share one. Um, so, you know, but it was not it was not a need. It was preference. So we want to be very clear what's a want and what's a need. Once I had a client who's she was like five one and she said to me, I, I only date a guy who's over six feet. Hmm. So I was like, first of all, that's like three Jewish guys. Okay. Secondly, <laughs> true. <laughs> true. Secondly, you're five one. Okay. That's ridiculous. Like, so I, I will urge you not to put any physical characteristics on your deal breaker list. You're going to know whether you're attracted or not. And mm-hmm. you don't need to write, uh, write these things on a list. Cause the truth of the matter is two things. One, sometimes our bus share comes in a physical package that we wouldn't have expected. We were expecting, you know, tall and this and that. And instead he was, you know, had red hair and freckles, but he's so adorable, right? So sometimes we have like a type, a physical type in our head and we end up marrying something different. It's important to be open to that. And number two, the physical stuff often can be changed, right? I always say it's easier to build muscles than midot, right? Midot are character traits, right? So it's, you know, you could change his haircut. He could get contacts, like go to the gym, dress differently, all these things. But like ultimately who he is inside is not going to change so much. And that's really where we want to put our focus. Is he a good person? Is he a kind person? Does he, is he compassionate? Is he a good listener? Does he make me laugh? right? Is he, does he have the same goals and aspirations as me? Do we share the same Jewish values? Do we want to raise the same type of Jewish home? Like these are, this is where to put your focus and all of the physical stuff that can be changed. Try not to pay attention to it so much. Again, you have to be attracted. According to Jewish law, you can't marry someone you're not attracted to for obvious reasons. But we, sometimes we get stuck on that very early on in the relationship. And as I said, we want to give Mr. Parv a chance to develop and to win us over. Yeah, I mean, very, very well said. Um, And it is really hard to distinguish between those wants and needs, because sometimes those wants really do seem like a need. (laughs) So you really have to, like you said, sit down with yourself and really uh, make make yourself really examine what the need is versus the want. And that can be hard to do. Right. Example, sometimes a person could feel like, you know what, I went to a really great university, Ivy League, this, that. I also deserve someone who went to that type of school. Mm -hmm. I don't really agree with that. I think that if you want to be looking for someone who can stimulate you intellectually, that's a valid thing to put on your list. But to say, because I went to Harvard, I need someone who went to Yale, I I don't think this should be on our list. This is not a a Jewish value. Um, You know, there's, there's street smart, there's book smart, there's so many different kinds of intelligence, um, emotional intelligence, right? Which for women is super important to, to find in a husband. Um, so I think we want to be very careful about putting these sort of, I'll call them superficial things on your list. You know, he has to be in this type of profession and, you know, we want to be careful about that because we could miss out on the right person that way. Oh, that's, that's so true. And, and with that, I want to move to the next question. Um, we were talking about obviously the the change and how people are getting married a lot more during quarantine and during the pandemic. Um, But we also still want to keep in mind that divorce rates are still over 50%, meaning that more people get it wrong than right, unfortunately, or they're just not putting the work in. Is this a function of handling the dating incorrectly or handling the marriage incorrectly or both? 
I would say it's definitely a little bit of both. Um, but I, if I had to choose one that's more important, it would be the marriage. Um, my line is that you want to date with both eyes wide open, right? Picking up all the red flags, all the information like we've been talking about. And then under the chuppah, you want to close one eye. <laughs> okay, so what what are we doing? Where where it's called having an ayin tova, a good eye, which means I'm closing one eye to the small flaws in my husband. It does not mean sweep everything under the carpet. I don't want anyone to misunderstand me. It means I have to choose my battles. And I, you know, when I was under the chuppah, right? When a person is under the chuppah, why are they so happy? Because they feel like I really, after all of those people that I dated that were wrong for me. Thank God I finally found someone who has my deal breakers. He cares for me. He respects me. We're in this, we have the same goals and values, right? All the stuff we've been talking about. Do we see his flaws? Yeah. We all know our flaw, the person's flaws when we get married. We, but you see them in your peripheral vision, if you know what I mean. It's kind of like foggy. It's a little blurry on the side. And what's in focus right in front of you? all of his amazing traits that, that, that were your deal breakers, right? What happens, unfortunately, when many of us get married, we get lazy and we turn our head, you can visualize this, to the blurry stuff in our peripheral vision. And that's where we put our focus. And I'm talking to myself here. I, you know, <laughs> this is something that I work on as well, is that it's just natural as you get on in marriage, you start to put your focus on the little things that he's not doing right or that she's not doing right instead of focusing on the really big important stuff, the deal breakers that are there. So it's really a choice. Marriage is is a daily constant choice. Where am I putting my focus? Am I looking at the important things or am I focusing on the little things that really at the end of the day do not matter? Now, obviously, as I said, if there's something major, you must bring it up. And that's where communication comes in and learning how to speak in a way that the other person doesn't get defensive. And like all of that is really important. We don't sweep everything under the carpet. That's not a healthy relationship. However, where many of us get stuck is we start looking at the peripheral stuff. Like, you know, he forgot some things from the grocery store or he messed up, you know, his socks are two inches from the hamper. Okay. Like what (laughs) does this really matter at the end of the day? Not really. Okay. So then we get stuck there and then we start having creating, it's really, you know, creating a not good marriage because both the husband and wife or one of the spouses is, is focusing on the things that are really not so important. So I would argue that it's mostly about not necessarily handling marriage correctly. I give a lot of marriage classes and do marriage coaching as well. It's, it's a tremendous amount of work. I call it the best Petri dish to work on your character traits, right? It's like, um, you can't get away with anything with your spouse. You know, you can be nice to the cashier and Trader Joe's for the three minutes and she's being so cheerful, right? But when you're home and you're you're hangry and you're hormonal and you've had a bad day and you're letting it all hang out for your husband and him to you, so then, you know, that's really where the work comes in. Yeah, and, and Devorah, that was, as you were talking, it just made me think of how important it is to have someone gro- growth-oriented because if you are encountering obstacles, um, I've, you know, I've seen it where certain spouses refuse to go to counseling, refuse to talk it over. And then those marriages end or those relationships end because they're not growth oriented and trying to work together to solve the communication issue or whatever else is going on in their lives. So that's another reason why it's so important um, and really hitting home why having someone growth oriented life is difficult, challenges come up. And if you have someone that's willing to work through things with you, that's golden. 
Correct. And this is something that you want to really be focused on when you're dating. Like if obviously if it's a religious guy, so you want to know he's taking classes and he's learning and he has a rabbi. If it's someone who's not so observant, do they listen to podcasts? Do they read books? Do they like read, you know, growth oriented books? Do they do coaching? Do they um, speak to like a mentor, right? Like you want to get a feel for the, maybe they have a therapist, right? They're, you want to get a feel for the fact that they are not stagnant that they're not just satisfied with what they are today. Because really from a Jewish perspective, we came into this world to perfect ourselves, to work on our character traits and become a better, more refined person. So marriage is, and certainly having kids even more so, I think um, is really a, a 24 hours, 24 seven um, project that on self-improvement, right? If it, you know, constantly like your kids and your husband, it's just Am I going to be able to speak to the people in my life that I care about in the right way, even when I'm upset or frustrated or angry? So you really want to pay attention to this when you're dating. Is this a guy who's a growth-oriented person? Is he constantly looking to better himself? Or is he just like, whatever, take it or leave it. This is who I am. (laughs) Run. I've I've met a few of those. (laughs) Yes, me too. And one thing that you mentioned tonight, which was interesting, and I've also heard this expression is, watch how a man treats his mother. I just wanted to hear how much truth there is to this. And after all, some Jewish guys may not have the most easygoing mother. I'm of course excluding my future mother-in-law who will be perfect, but- <laughs> Amen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Uh, but wanted to hear your perspective on this one. So I would expand it to even more than his mom. I did use that example that you want to, you know, as he's speaking to his mother, you want to pay attention to that. But even more than that, like you want to pay attention to how respectful he is to everyone in his life. Because the truth of the matter is that character traits are usually fairly uniform in a person. So if they're disrespectful to their mom or to the waitress or to their friend or to their employee, eventually they will probably be disrespectful to you. It's a character trait and character traits are very uniform in a person. So you want you, he's trying to impress, right? So he'll probably speak respectfully to you, you know, for the months, you know, the the few months that you're dating, but you want to really, that's why you want to pick up the little things that you notice along the way on how he treats other people. Again, from someone like the waitress, or how he speaks to his mother, his friends, does he have attribute of gratitude, right? Like humility and gratitude. Is he type, the type of person who's like, whatever, like it wasn't such a big favor my friend was doing for me. Or is he like, wow, it made so much, it meant so much to me when I was moving and my friend came over, he took time off work and he came over and helped me move. It was like amazing, right? You want to notice these things, gratitude, humility, respect. These are key traits in marriage. Yeah, I mean, Devorah, not only that, and, and it just makes me think when you are in these casual situations where you're going on a date or, or you're you're walking by your doorman or his doorman or something, like how does he even interact with that person? Are they friendly? Are they nice? Do they ignore them? Um, those are really good things to pick up on. And I think a lot of us do make note of it, but we kind of file it away and not really pay attention to it. But I think you're right. There are a lot of red flags out there or just things that you notice like, wow, he's a really good guy. He's a mensch. Like, look how nice he was to the mailman or to the waiter or to the barista at the coffee shop. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's great. 
I, I can't go through an hour without quoting Harry Potter because it's like my favorite book. Um, <laughs> but I, I think it's Dumbledore who says that, you know, the mark of a great man is how he treats the people that are inferior to him, so to speak, mm -hmm. right, in the, in the social status. Um, it's not how he treats people that are superior to him, like his boss. How does he treat the people who are serving him? That's really the mark of of a, of a person, you know. So I think that uh, I just had to bring that in, um, but I think that that's really good advice, and that's how you're going to notice it in these little ways: the waitress, you know, the person who parks his car, right? The the person, you know, the lady at Trader Joe's packing the bags, right? How does he treat them? Is he nice? Is he friendly? Is he warm? Is he respectful? Or is he sort of arrogant? And, and disrespectful to people, right? Mm -hmm. You want to pick up on all, you have to almost be a little bit of a detective when you're dating. I hate to phrase it that way, but you want to take in like all the data, right? And not just like how he's behaving to you like on the date, but really take in all the data, the little things that you're picking up, you know, along the side. And the truth is sometimes your body picks up information before your brain. What do I mean by that? You like, you feel like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why, but I don't feel so comfortable with this person. I feel like ill at ease. Mm -hmm. I feel like not safe somehow or not, mm -hmm. not secure, not comfortable with this person. I don't know why it is. And then later on, sometimes, you know, if you're speaking to your mentor or just later on in the relationship, you realize, oh, I know exactly why I was feeling that way. It was because A, B, or C, he spoke disrespectfully or he's not listening or whatever it is. Now you have a conscious technical, logical reason for why your body was feeling uncomfortable. So I always tell people, don't discount your gut. Don't, don't like swear by your gut, but don't discount it. If you're feeling really not, you're ill at ease with someone and it's not just like nervous first date, but like four or five dates in, you're feeling ill at ease. He's making you feel insecure or something, or he's made a joke that demeans you. Mm -hmm. Pay attention to this. Do yeah. not sweep it under the carpet. Yeah, no, I, I love that door. There's a lot of times that I'm, I'm sure a lot of us have ignored those things because we couldn't quite put our finger on it. Like there wasn't one particular thing, but it just everything added together made us feel not comfortable. And you definitely need to listen to your gut when that when that happens. Um, 100%. Yeah. And, and just I mean, these are so many good tips and so, so insightful. And we just wanted to ask is there any final advice for singles out there that are na navigating the dating world that you wanted to put out there? So I think that my main um, piece of advice for, for women, at least, and again, that's my clientele, is to really demand better treatment, to demand respectful treatment. If a guy is, you know, not going a week and a half and not asking you out on the third date, move on. Okay. Mm -hmm. He's not serious. If he's ghosting you and then texts you a week later, okay, forget it. Um, if he's pushing the envelope to, to fool around and you really don't feel comfortable and you want to like really get to know him better, as we were talking about earlier in the, in the show, you know, that's not respectful behavior. I don't care what part of the, the Jewish community you're dating in. If you, you know, articulated that you want to really get to know him in a real way. And then he's pushing the envelope all the time. It's not respectful. Right. So, you know, I feel like sometimes as women, we make it too easy for the guys to just, you know, friends with benefits, Netflix and chill, you know, <laughs> um, texting him nonstop, reaching out first. Oh, let me pay half. Like we, we need to really just kind of, I, I don't want to say go back, but it is really kind of going back um, 
to the days where really the women had more of the power in the relationship. Um, you know, if you think of the Jane Austen movies, right? So the guy came to court her, right? And he would read her poetry and play her music and, and, you know, take her out for a drive to the country and tell her how beautiful she was. And then maybe she would allow him to kiss her gloved hand and say, allow him to come back tomorrow and do the same thing. Okay. So this happened, you know, 10 to 20 times of this courting and then they got, they got married. So now I'm not saying life was perfect back then by any stretch of the imagination. However, that is the Jewish mode of dating. And I really, you know, probably half my clients are not religious Jews, they're secular, or some flavor, you know, I, t I, I deal with everyone. And I really encourage them to date more in the Jewish way, which, you know, we call it keep it kosher, um, you know, and take the physical off the table, demand better treatment, let him pursue you, let him reach out, let him prove himself. If a I know this to be true, that if a guy is serious about getting married, and he really is into you, he will move heaven and earth to be together with you. He will text, he will like ask you out. He will ask you out. He will call you when he says he's going to call. He'll be there on time. He'll treat you well. He'll take you out, spoil you and expect nothing physical in return. And that is the right guy mm -hmm. for you. That's what we all want. So we have to, as women, we're the gatekeepers. We have to stand up and say, you know what? I'm, I'm worth it. I am worth it. Do you get the pleasure of my company? And that's it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Devorah, I love that. I'm main to that. That's amazing. I, this is, that is one of the most important things. We just need to respect ourselves, realize that we are worth it and that we don't owe anyone anything. Correct. And the right person for you is going to realize that he is going to see your amazing, great qualities inside you. And he's going to move heaven and earth to get you, you know, to, to secure you. Absolutely. Shelly. Oh such my great goodness. Points. Yeah, this is this is <laughs> fantastic, Dora. Thank you so much for your time. I am so excited for our listeners to hear your words of wisdom, learn and just laugh and, and have a great time as as we had with you. Thank you so much. And um, I know that you're going to plug my website, but I also want to invite people to friend me on Facebook. It's Devora with an H at the end. My middle name is Rose like the flower. And my last name is Kegel, K-I-G-E-L. It's like um, Hasidish noodle kugel thing. I was okay, wondering so, that. It's yes, Kugel Kegel. Funny? I my, love my, it. My husband said that his family um, were making fun of last names when they did that. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, I'm noodles. Okay. So um, anyway, so Devorah Rose Kegel on Facebook, I try to post a lot of really great content on there. And I also post all of my flyers of where I'm speaking on Zoom or in person. Um, I'm in the middle of a dating series right now, which anyone is welcome to join. I try to make each class self-sufficient. Um, and I'm going to be doing the entire, it's really eight classes, the entire eight part series, again, probably in the fall for my husband's organization, Emmet. You will definitely see it on Facebook if you if you friend me. Um, and I really, my goal is just help women to date in a smart, effective way, full of self-respect and really get to the right person. Such, such great goals. And uh, the website is Devora, and it has an H after the A, Kegel, I, not Kugel, but Kegel with an I.com. So DevorahKegel.com. Thank you so much. Stay tuned for my book. It's in the works, but we have to make some time. It's on my to-do list. I was going to um, ask Devorah, like you need, you need a book. 
Thank you so much. Stay tuned. We will plug that for sure on the podcast. Thank you. You'll have me back and I'll I'll plug the book. I'm I'm in process. And I want to thank you guys for inviting me. It was so much fun. We we loved having and we can't believe we're your first podcast. We are honored. (laughs) Thanks so much. (laughs) So glad to have you. Yes. And, and make sure everyone, we will um, post information about Devorah's website and a link to her Facebook page as well. Um, like Shelly said, her, her website is great. It has resources and information um, and about dating and about marriage coaching. So definitely check that out. Devorah, thank you so, so much for being here with us. We want to make sure that everyone follows us on our podcast on Anchor. Now we are now on Anchor and we are also on iTunes and all the other major platforms. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and we will make sure to update you with all of our latest and greatest. And Devorah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, ladies. Have a great night. Thank you. You too. And Jewess is out. We're just two girls living on the Upper West Side, taking everything in stride. We're the Jewesses, Jewesses, blonde edition. Yeah. We're just two girls living on the Upper West Side. Taking everything in stride. We're the Jewesses, Jewesses, blonde edition, yeah.